Acts chapter 7, Acts chapter number 7, and I'm going to teach some things. This is going to be a little bit more like um, a Wednesday night Bible study, and I'm going to teach some things I've never taught 31 years at Calvary, but somebody said the more you learn, the more you learn you don't know, and boy, I don't know about anybody else, but for me that sure is true. The more I learn, the more I learn, wow, I didn't know that. And, and what is so great is that the Lord never quit. He never gives up on us, and he keeps on teaching us. And, and so I'm glad at this point in my life and my ministry, man, I'm still learning some things. And so I'm excited to share some of these things with you. I think they're going to be a help to you today. And I've had a lot of questions, or quite a few questions in the last little bit concerning the subject that you see on the screen today. And a lot of folks have been asking about what happens at death, what exactly happens at death, um, you know, what, what does death look like for the child of God, and, um, and some have heard some people teach on this right here, and so we have some folks who are just a little confused on a few little things, and so I had made a note probably weeks and weeks ago, I just made a little note in my reminders that I wanted to teach a lesson on soul sleep. And it seems like this is the weekend that we're going to do that. And so I hope this is going to be a help to you and a blessing to you. Acts chapter 7, when you find your place, if you're able to stand, why don't we stand out of respect for the reading of God's Word? And uh, listen, I know, listen, thank you. A lot of you spent basically all day long here yesterday. We had people here from around 8 o'clock in the morning till around 8 o'clock last night. And I appreciate your hard work. And... Uh, but let's look, at, let's look at Acts chapter 7 and verse 54. Now, this is a scripture that's talking about Stephen. And I encourage you to go back, the deacon Stephen, and go back and read the whole chapter. It's a long chapter, 60 verses, but it's well worth your time to read. And boy, I want to tell you something. Stephen is flat letting them have it. He is a preaching deacon, if there's ever been one. And he is just filling them in. Uh, on the sacrifice of the Lord. But let's pick up the story in verse 54. That's why the Bible says in verse 54, when they heard these things, because for the last little while, he's been preaching to them. And they said, when they heard these things, they were cut to the heart. And now I've had some people get mad at me, but I've never had anybody get this mad at me. The Bible says they're so mad at him that they gnashed on him with their teeth. Now, you got to be pretty mad at somebody to start biting on them. Am I telling you the truth? That's what your Bible says, and I believe it. And so they are really ticked off at Stephen. So, boy, they, and it, by the way, it gets worse. And so the Bible says they gnashed on him with their teeth, verse 55. But he, being full of the Holy Ghost, looked up steadfastly into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing on the right hand of God. Now, man, there's about 10 different messages to preach out of this, out of this, this morning. I'm not going to try to do all those messages. But how many know this, that usually when the Bible references Jesus, he is seated on the right hand of the Father. But all of a sudden, Acts chapter 7, verse 55, the Bible says that Stephen sees the Lord Jesus standing on the right hand of God. Somebody says, preacher, is that a misprint? Oh, no. There is no misprints. 
Let me tell you what I believe is going on. Personally, I believe that Stephen is literally getting a standing ovation when he comes into the presence of the Lord. The Bible says in verse number 56, and said, behold, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing on the right hand of God. Then they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and ran upon him with one accord, cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their clothes at a young man's feet whose name was Saul, and they stoned Stephen, calling upon God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And he kneeled down and cried with a loud voice, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. Now, I want you to really look at the last part of the verse. The Bible says, and when he, Stephen, when he had said this, what's the Bible said he did? He fell asleep. And so you may be seated this morning. And I want to talk to you about this subject, what the Bible says about soul sleep. What the Bible says about soul sleep. And so... Let's go to the Lord quickly and ask the Lord to help us, and we'll jump right into the Bible study today. And that's, where, that's what's going to be is a Bible study. And, and so let's pray this, this morning. Father, we thank you for the privilege to be back at Calvary. And God, thank you. What a great two days we've had. And God, thank you for meeting with us and stirring us. And uh, Lord, last night, such a soul-stirring uh, service. And already this morning, it's been very similar and we thank you for that. Now, Lord, as we gather around this book just for a few moments to learn what you have for us, I pray, Holy Spirit, that our hearts would be attentive, our minds would be open, and I pray that your precious Holy Spirit would do the teaching today. I pray that he would be the one that <clears throat> conveys truth. He must be the one that conveys truth. It cannot be me. It must be him. And so, Spirit of God, I pray that you would just uh, use me as the sounding board, and I pray that uh, we would learn something great that would be a help and a, a blessing to our Christian life and, and that we would be able to instruct those that we come in contact with. We pray most of all, more than anything, that Jesus will receive glory and praise from it all. And Lord, if there might be one here today that has never trusted Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior, I pray today would be the day that they would come to know Christ as their Lord. Lord, we love you. Lord, we praise you. Lord, ask you for your help now. In Jesus' name we pray, and for his sake, amen. And so the Bible says in Acts chapter 7, verse number 60, and he, Stephen, and he kneeled down and cried with a loud voice, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. He fell asleep. Well, does the Bible actually mean what it says there? Did Stephen die? And when he died, he fell asleep. Well, that's not the only place we find that in Scripture where it uh, makes reference like that. Uh, in fact, you don't have to turn there. I'll just read this one for you. But how many remember the story in John chapter 11 where the Bible is talking about Lazarus and, uh, and uh, they've come to the Lord and they've let the Lord know that Lazarus is sick. And our Bible says that Jesus purposely delays and he, uh, rather than going right to Lazarus, and he wasn't that far away according to Scripture, but rather than going to Lazarus, he uh, he hesitates. He he delays, and uh, and of course Lazarus passes away. And in John chapter eleven verse eleven, the Bible says it like this: These things said he, and after that he saith unto them, Our friend Lazarus sleepeth. He sleepeth. And so the disciples said, Well, Lord, if he sleepeth, that's good. And then Jesus came out and said, Fellows, he's not sleeping. He died. And so is the Bible telling us that when people 
die that they go to sleep, that they go to the grave and they go to sleep. Take your Bibles this morning, if you will, and turn to the book of Daniel, the book of Daniel, Daniel chapter number uh, uh, 12, Daniel 12, and look at verse number one with me, if you will. Daniel chapter 12 and verse number one, and look what our Bible tells us here. Now, if you didn't really study this out, I can see how folks might get a little confused about this thing. And so Daniel chapter 12 and verse number one, the Bible says, and at that time shall Michael, Michael the archangel, stand up, the great prince which standeth for the children of thy people, and there shall be a time of trouble such as was never uh, since there was a nation, even to that same time. And at that time, thy people shall be delivered, everyone that shall be found written in the book. Now look at verse two. The Bible says, and many of them that sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting contempt. And so there are certain groups out there today, and I'll not take time to, to mention those groups. If you come to me later on, I'll be glad to talk about some of those groups, but uh, and, and not, in a, not, not in a critical way. I don't, I don't mean it like that. But there are certain religious groups who say this. They say that when a person dies, their soul goes into an unconscious state of sleep and that this person will remain asleep until the resurrection at the end time, a time when the Lord Jesus Christ will awake them out of their sleep. And so this is what they say. If you believe in soul sleep, this is what they say, that some have been in the grave asleep for hundreds of years and even others have been in the grave asleep for thousands and thousands of years. And they would have you believe this, that death causes what they call an unconscious sleep. And that if you are in a state of soul sleep, that you are in a state of total unawareness and understanding, that you don't understand, you don't, you're not conscious of the fact that you are asleep. But uh, some of the great patriarchs of the past, like Abraham and Moses and, uh, and Elijah and uh, and some of those great patriarchs died and that they have now for thousands of years, they have been asleep. They've been in, a, in a, a total state of unconsciousness, unawareness, unawareness. And one of these days at the end, the Lord is gonna raise them out of the grave and they are gonna wake up and they will be conscious of what's going on. So everybody follow me so far? Okay. But there's some problems with that. So take your Bibles this morning, and, and, and really my introduction got longer. And, and, but anyway, Matthew 17 in your Bibles. Matthew chapter 17. And look at verse number one. Notice what our Bible tells us, though. Matthew 17, concerning those that are supposed to be in the grave asleep in total unconsciousness and total unawareness. They do not know what's going on. They haven't known what's going on ever since they went to the grave because they've been in a matter of soul sleep, a state of soul sleep. And in that state of soul sleep, they are absolutely, totally unconscious and totally unaware of anything that's transpiring in the world until one of these days the Lord raises them in the last resurrection. Well, let's see if that be true. Look at Matthew 17 verse one. The Bible says, and after six days, Jesus taketh Peter and James and John, his brother, and bringeth them up into a high mountain apart. And the Bible says, and was transfigured before them, 
And his face did shine as the sun, and his raiment was white as the light. And look at verse number three. And the Bible says, and behold, there appeared unto them. Uh-oh, we have a problem. Evidently, they just woke up. There appeared unto them Moses and Elias, or Elijah, and look what the Bible says, talking with him. Now, you read on a little further, you know what they were talking about? They were talking about the crucifixion. They were talking about the sacrifice. They were talking about the Lamb of God. They were talking about, this is right before Jesus goes to the cross, and, they, and literally, Jesus is transfigured on the mount, and Moses and Elijah appear, and they begin to have a conversation on what is about to take place. Don't ask a question. If Moses and Elijah are in a, a state of soul unconsciousness and total unawareness, what are they doing on this mountain? And furthermore, how do they know about anything that's getting ready to take place in just the next few days? And the reason for that is this, that soul sleep is not scriptural. Now, let me show you, let me show you a couple other places if I could. Turn over to Luke 16 in your Bibles. Luke 16, not only Moses and Elijah, but, but Abraham. So if you believe in soul sleep, that means that many, many thousands of years ago when Abraham died, that Abraham went into that same soul sleep, that he is in a, a state of total unawareness. He has no idea what's going on and will not until one of these days the Lord raises him to uh, awakeness and he is aware of what's going on. But let's see if the Bible talks about that. Look at Luke chapter 16, verse 23. The Bible says, and in hell, he lift up his eyes, talking about the rich man. He lift up his eyes being in torments and seeth, who did he see? Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I'm tormented in this flame. Look at uh, verse 25. Here is a fellow who's supposed to be totally unaware of everything that's going on. He's in a state of absolute unconsciousness. Verse 25, but Abraham said, son, remember, that thou in thy lifetime receivedest thy good things and likewise Lazarus evil things, but now he is comforted and thou art tormented. By the way, can I remind you of this? Abraham was not talking in his sleep. He was very aware of what was going on. And so again, soul sleep is not, is not a scriptural teaching. You don't have to turn, I'll just give you this and you can look it up in your devotions later on. I mean, first, uh, first Samuel chapter 28, the Bible tells us this, that the prophet Samuel who died before King Saul actually appears to King Saul. And so, soul sleep, is it, is it true? Is it true that when you die, you go into the grave and you just fall asleep? And you're asleep there for uh, 100 years, 500 years, 1,000 years, 2,000, 3,000 years? And uh, you're totally unaware of it. You don't know what's going on. And you're unconscious and, and, uh, uh, and just, again, totally unaware of what's going on. Here's the thing. If you really believe that, and there are some people who do, and I'll be honest with you, if you read their dogma, you understand that, you know what, if you're not careful, they make a pretty good argument. And, and here's the thing, though. If you really believe in that, let me tell you what it does. For one thing, it takes the urgency out of the gospel. Because you know what? If I'm just going to fall asleep when I die and I'm going to stay that way for the next 2,000 years, there's really no use in me being in a hurry to get saved. 
because I'm going to be in, I'm going to, I'm going to sleep. And somebody says, you know what, preacher, I may go to hell, but I won't go to hell for the next few thousand years because I'm going to be in a soul, in a, in a state of absolute unconsciousness. Now, let's talk about this today. Let's talk about this subject. What happens when death finally comes? So they say you, you go to sleep, you just go to sleep, and you'll be that way until the, one of these days in the resurrection, the Lord Jesus will raise you again. What actually happens when death finally comes? Are y'all ready? All right, here we go. Number one is this. First of all, our soul exits the body. Now, that's an interesting study, soul, spirit, body. That's interesting. And, uh, and, and, and that gets a little deep. So I'm going to see if I can just make it really, really simplified for you today. Somebody says, preacher, what is the soul? What is the spirit? What is the body? Well, somebody said it like this. The soul is us. It's us. The soul is our mind. It's our emotions. It's our will. And so the soul is you. If I can just put it like that, you are a soul. You're a soul. Uh, God breathed into you and you became a, a living soul. And so your soul is you. Our spirit is that which communicates with others and communicates with God. The Bible says in our spirit, we rejoice in God with our spirit. Our body, on the other hand, is simply the house that the soul lives in. It is the shell, if you will. And so when death finally takes place, whenever it's going to be for you, I don't know when it's going to be, you don't know when it's going to be, but whenever death finally comes, let me tell you, the first thing that's going to happen is this, your soul is going to exit your body. Now you say, preacher, how do you know that? Because our Bible tells us that. And so let's look at, uh, let's look at several scriptures this morning. Look at the book of Psalm, Psalm chapter 90, and look at verse number 10. Psalm 90 and verse number 10. Psalm chapter 90 and verse number 10, our soul exits the body. Psalm chapter 90, verse number 10. The Bible says the days of our years are threescore years and 10, 70 years. And if by reason of strength they be fourscore years or 80, if you make it to 80 or more, yet is their strength labor and sorrow. And look what it says here. For it is soon cut off and we go to sleep. Now, if your Bible says it, you've got the wrong Bible because that's not what it says, is it? It says, therefore, it is soon cut off and we, what do we do? We fly away. And so our spirit at death, our spirit exits the body. Turn over just a few pages to the book of Ecclesiastes and look at, look at Ecclesiastes chapter three and verse number 21. Ecclesiastes chapter three and verse number 21. Now I've got some good news and I've got some bad news, all right? Because in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 21, the Bible tells us where the spirit of man goes and where the spirit of the animal goes, all right? So uh, look at Ecclesiastes chapter 3 and verse number 21. Uh, somebody says, preacher, do all dogs go to heaven? My dog is so sweet. And so I'm not going to try to bust your bubble this morning. I'm just trying to give you the Bible, all right? But look at Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 21. The Bible says, who knoweth the spirit of man that goeth where? Where does it go? It goeth upward, and the spirit of the beast that goeth downward to the earth. 
And so the Bible talks about our soul, our soul, our spirit leaves the body at death. Listen to Genesis 25 and verse number seven. And these are the days of the years of Abraham's life, which he lived, and hundred, threescore and 15 years. Then Abraham, listen to this, then Abraham gave up the ghost and died in a good old age. In Luke chapter 23, talking about the Lord Jesus Christ, Luke 23 and verse 46, the Bible says, and when Jesus had cried with a loud voice, he said, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit, and having said thus, he gave up the ghost. And so our Bible teaches this, that at death, the the soul leaves the body. It, it, It exits the body. Now, why is that? And this is the reason. Because when you got saved, your body didn't get saved. Your body didn't get anything. Your body got a saved soul, but you, that's why on it. That's why every day you fight a battle every day. You know why? You've still got this old flesh to contend with. And the Bible says that the spirit and the flesh are contrary the one to the other and one lusteth against the other and they fight and they war. And one of these days when your soul leaves your body, they're gonna take this body, they're gonna put it in a grave and that body's gonna decompose and it's gonna go back to the elements of the earth. And so our soul at death, our soul exits the body. Now that's the easy stuff. So hang on with me. Number next is this. For the saved, their soul is instantaneously with the Lord. And so the body or the shell, if I can refer to it like that, remains in the ground. But the soul, you and me, but the soul goes immediately, immediately to be with the Lord. So take your Bibles and turn over to 1 Corinthians, I'm sorry, 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and I know this is Sunday morning, and I'm giving you a lot of scripture, and as I said, this is going to be a little bit more like a Wednesday night Bible study, but but look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5, you say, wow, preacher, I really like this, well, good, come on Wednesday night, and you'll get a blessing, I believe, but look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and look at verse number 1, for the saved, their soul is instantaneously with the Lord, and so you don't have 100 years to burn, you don't have... 2,000 years to stay in a grave or to stay asleep, but for the saved, their soul is instantaneously with the Lord. 2 Corinthians chapter five, and look at verse number one with me. The Bible says, for we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, in other words, your body decomposes, we have a building of God and a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this we groan, earnestly desiring to be clothed upon with our house which is from heaven. If so be that being clothed, we shall not be found naked. For we that are in this tabernacle do groan, being burdened, not for that we would be unclothed, but clothed upon. Watch this now. That mortality might be swallowed up of life. Now he that hath wrought us for this selfsame thing is God who hath also given in us the earnest of the Spirit. Therefore we are always confident, knowing, watch closely, church, knowing that whilst we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. Look at verse seven. For we walk by faith, not by sight. Verse eight. We are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. And so when, when, when death takes place, the saved are instantaneously with the Lord. Look at verse eight again, verse eight. The Bible says we are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be 
present. Look at the word present. And to be present with the Lord. It's the Greek word endemio. And it means at home. At home. In other words, you could read it like this. We are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be at home with the Lord. And so the Bible does not say this. It does not say we are absent from the body and then we go to sleep. That's not what it says. It says we are absent from the body and we are instantaneously at home with the Lord. All right, take your Bibles and turn to Luke chapter 23. And this is what I'm saying. The saved are instantaneously with the Lord. Look at Luke 23, verse 39 with me. Luke 23, verse 39. The Bible says in one of the malefactors, this is, of course, on Calvary, and Jesus is in the middle, on the middle cross, and there are two criminals on each side of the Lord. One of those, at first, actually at first, both of them rail on the Lord. And eventually one of these thieves, one of these malefactors, sees that he really is the son of God, and he begins to repent. And Luke 23, verse 39, and one of the malefactors which, uh, malefactors which were hanged railed on him, saying, if thou be Christ, save thyself and us. But the other answering rebuked him, saying, Dost not thou fear God, seeing thou art in the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds, but this man hath done nothing amiss. Now look at verse 42, church. And he said unto Jesus, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. And Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, you are getting ready to go to sleep. That's not what it says, is it? And he said unto Jesus, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. And Jesus said unto him, verily I say unto thee, today, today shalt thou be with me in paradise. Now, let me tell you, let me tell you what happens. Uh, uh, well, is everybody okay? Can I preach for just a few minutes today? Everybody all right with that? Hey, uh, I want to draw your attention to Philippians chapter one. Can you turn over there? I started to skip over this, but the Holy Spirit said no. And so Philippians chapter one in your Bibles and look at verse number 21. Philippians chapter one and verse 21. This is the apostle Paul writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And in Philippians one verse 21, Paul says this, for me, for, for to me to live is Christ. And look what he says here, church. And to die is what? And to die is gain. He says in verse number 22, but if I live in the flesh, this is the fruit of my labor. Yet what I shall choose, I want not. Look at verse 23, Paul says, for I am in a strait betwixt two. In other words, man, he said, I'm, 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 in, a, I'm in a struggle. He said, having a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is, what he's saying, which is what? which is far better. Now, I'm gonna be honest with you. If the apostle Paul knew that for the next 2,000 years he was gonna be laying in a deep, dark, cold grave and he was gonna to be totally unaware of what's going on and totally unconscious, I just gotta believe that Paul wouldn't have said, man, I just can't wait to die. No, Paul said this. I know that when I die, I'm gonna be instantaneously with the Lord. And so we're talking about what happens at death. Now, just in case, uh, just for the sake of those who do not know this, at the rapture of the church, you say, preacher, what about those that have already died? Well, they're with the Lord. But at the rapture of the church, this is what's gonna happen. When the trumpet sounds and those saints that are already with the Lord, when they come back, 
the Bible says that they're going to be reunited with their physical body and their physical body is going to be transformed and they're going to be given a glorified body. Now you say, wait just a cotton picking minute, preacher. What about those that have been in the grave for 5,000 years? They're nothing but dust. What about those that were in the World Trade Center when the, uh, when the bombing took place and they said that the heat was so great that many of those people in the World Trade Center were literally incinerated. They found no bones. They found no dental, uh, dental remains because their bodies were literally incinerated. You say, preacher, how in the world are those saints that are saved and with the Lord when they come back, how is their body that's disintegrated and ashes and how's their body gonna be reunited with their spirit and be transformed. Let me tell you something, church. The same God that can scoop out dust out of the earth and put a man together can take ashes and put a body back together. <laughs> he sure can, and he sure will. And the Bible says that they're gonna be reunited with their physical bodies. That's why the Bible says the graves are gonna be opened and their spirit will come back from heaven and their body will be reunited and their body will be changed. They'll be given a glorified body. You say, well, pastor, what about those that never died? What about those that are still alive in the rapture? The Bible says, then we will be caught away and the Bible tells us that we will be changed as well. Now, you can just jot this down if you're taking notes. First Thessalonians chapter four, verses 15 through 17. But this morning, I want you to go to 1 Corinthians chapter number 15 and look at verse number 50 with me, if you will. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse number 50. And look what our Bible tells us here about this thing of being changed. 1 Corinthians 15, verse number 50. The Bible says, now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Neither, neither, neither doth corruption inherit incorruption. Verse 51. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep. In other words, we're not all going to pass. We're not all going to die. In other words, some of us are looking for the upper taker, not the undertaker. Some of us are still going to be alive when the rapture takes place. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump. For the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. Have you ever watched this? Have you ever watched a caterpillar crawl up in a tree or a plant and form a cocoon? And it, 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 it encases itself in that cocoon? Man what, a, man, what an interesting study that is. I thought, this was what I always thought, I thought when that caterpillar uh, puts himself in that cocoon that he just sort of metamorphosizes and some wings pop out and he becomes a beautiful butterfly. That is not the case at all. Study it out for yourself. You know what he does? He encompasses himself in that cocoon and literally his body begins to disintegrate. And he becomes like a soup almost. And yet somehow, a little bit later on, God touches that thing. And when that cocoon open, opens up, that caterpillar turns into a beautiful butterfly. Now you say, preacher, what does that have to do with anything? It has everything to do with everything. Did you know that's what's gonna happen at the rapture of the church? Thank God. Now, I don't think you're getting this yet, church. I'm telling you, hey, caterpillar, hey, uh, 
Hey, caterpillar that is racked with arthritis this morning. Hey, caterpillar that's got cobwebs up top and you can't hardly get your words together. Hey, caterpillar that couldn't hardly get out of the bed this morning. Hey, caterpillar that can't hardly walk without a cane. Hey, caterpillar, I got some good news for you. At the rapture of the church, you're getting ready to be transformed. And the Bible tells us we're gonna receive a new body. We're gonna receive a glorified body. And it's gonna be like his body. Now stay with me very closely because if you're not careful, you'll, you'll lose me on this next part. The saved who have previously passed away, in other words, how many of you have somebody that you love and they knew Jesus, they knew Christ, and they're, they've already gone before you? How many have somebody like that? I do too. The saved who have previously passed away are with the Lord. In essence, they did go to heaven. But I want you to understand something. This will not be their final destination. You say, what in the world? What kind of stuff are you teaching this morning? Stay with me. Now, I can't explain all this, but I'm, I'm gonna show you all this from the Bible here in just a moment. It will be heaven. It'll be a heaven of comfort. It'll be a heaven of amazement. It'll be a heaven of perfection, but it won't be the final heaven. And so I have taught this through the years at Calvary Baptist Church that those of you who have loved ones and those loved ones knew the Lord and they went on before you, and this is what I've taught for a lot of years, they're just getting a head start on you. And man, they've, they've been just running through the streets of gold and they've been running through heaven and man, they're just learning where to go and what to do. And one of these days when you get to heaven, man, they're gonna say, where have you been? Come on in. And man, I've got so many things to show you and we need to go over here and I'm gonna show you this and we need to go over here and I'm gonna show you this. And, uh, but I'm gonna be honest with you, that's not necessarily the case. When we are finally reunited at the end of time, the saved, I believe this, the saved will receive the opportunity of experiencing a totally new heaven together. So they're in heaven. Don't, don't, don't walk out of here saying, preacher said my loved ones aren't in heaven. I'm not saying that at all. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you the greatest thing about death for the saint. They are with the Lord. You say, preacher, what does that all mean? I don't know. I don't know if I can explain that. But we have enough in Scripture that tells us that without a doubt. That those that went on before us, grandma, dad, mom, maybe you had a child that was a Christian and they died. You know, they, they, they died. You know what the Bible, or maybe you had, a, uh, maybe you had a, a child that died prematurely before they ever got to that age of accountability. And you say, preacher, where are they? Let me tell you where they are. You can be comforted. You can, you can be encouraged because our Bible says they are with the Lord. And listen, church, wherever the Lord is, that's where you want to be. <laughs> and I can tell you this too, where the Lord is, there's no cancer. And where the Lord is, there's no Alzheimer's and no dementia and no gravesides and no graveyards. And uh, by the way, you study the gospels, study the gospels. You know what Jesus said? I am the way, the truth, and the life. Study the gospels. Did you know that Jesus never attended a funeral he didn't break up? Because when life, when you're in the presence of life, death can't be there. 
And so your loved ones, your loved ones are with the Lord. So they're in heaven, but they're not in their final heaven. This is what I believe. I really do. This is what I believe. One of these days in the end, we're all going to experience that new heaven and that new earth. And so your loved ones that have been with the Lord for all these years, they're going to say, oh, you know what they're going to say to you? Listen, church, you know this is the truth. When you see your loved ones in heaven, they're not going to say, man, I'm telling you, heaven is awesome. You know what they're going to say when they see you? He is great. He is great. I've been with him all this time. He is great. I'm telling you, oh man, I'm so glad you're here because he's so great and his mercy endures forever and he's a great Lord and he's holy, holy, holy Lord God Almighty which was and is and is to come. He's a great Lord. But there is coming a day when all of us, all of us will get to experience heaven for the first time in all of its splendor. You say, Pastor, where in the world are you getting that from? I'm getting it from that Bible that you have right there on your lap. So take your Bibles this morning, if you will, and turn to Revelation chapter 21. Listen, I know we're a little late today, and we're almost done, but, but, but give me just a little grace this morning, if you will. Revelation chapter 21, Revelation 21. Now, you understand that Revelation 21 is after the, the last judgment, great white throne judgment has taken place, and uh, the final judgment, judgment has taken place, and those that are lost have been banished. And, uh, but wait a minute, look what happens in Revelation 21 and verse number one. John says there, and I saw a, what kind of heaven? A new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth. What happened to them? They were passed away and there was no more sea. Verse two, look at this. And John and I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, behold, the tabernacle of God is with men and he will dwell with them and they shall be his people and God himself shall be with them and be their God. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain for the former things are passed away. Uh, by the way, you can go to 2 Peter chapter 3 later on in your devotions and read 2 Peter chapter 3 and it tells you what I just told you. You can go to Isaiah 65 and it tells you what I just told you. But I'm telling you, church, that the saved, when they die, are instantaneously with the Lord. But there's coming a day when we will all be ushered in to a new heaven. And we will experience all it has to, to offer. This is personally what I believe now. I won't fall out with you and we won't debate about this. I don't believe anybody's living in the New Jerusalem right now. I don't believe anybody's living there. I believe it's being prepared and I believe it's going to be presented like a bride. You know, Maddie got married the other day and we were here on Saturday night getting ready for the, getting ready for the ceremony and we we're just up here you know, just practicing the ceremony. And so they started playing the song that Maddie was gonna come in on and they had her back there and everybody was just in their casual clothes pretty much. And all of a sudden, they started playing her song and those doors went open and we were standing up here, Brother Brandon and I, we were standing up here and we could see what happened. As soon as those doors flung open and the song started, Maddie lost it. And she just started weeping, her and daddy started weeping. And then we got full. And we got to thinking. And I said to Brandon, can you imagine? 
what it's going to be like one day when the church, come on now, when the church is presented to the Lamb for that final time, we're presented to the Lamb like a bride is presented to the groom. And man, it got sort of misty up here on the platform that night. Oh, I'm telling you, church, there is coming a day when the Lord is going to come and the new Jerusalem is going to come down out of, out of heaven from God. And we, as saints of God, are going to experience it all together for the first time. Amen. And it's going to take eternity to go through it all. And so I said this. What happens at death? Our soul exits the body. What happens at death? For the saved, their soul is instantaneously with the Lord. We're done. Listen to this. Please listen to this. For the lost, their soul is instantaneously with the lost. Take your Bibles and turn back over to Luke 16 and verse 22. And we'll be done in just a moment. Luke 16, verse 22. For the saved, their soul is instantaneously with the Lord. For the lost, their soul is instantaneously with the lost. Luke 16, 22, and it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom, a place of comfort. The rich man also died and was buried, and was buried, look at this, and for the next 2,000 years, he stayed asleep. That is not what our Bible says. The Bible says the rich man also died and was buried. This is talking about, uh, about immediacy here. And he, he was buried, verse 23, the very next thing. And in hell, he lift up his eyes, being in torments, and seeth Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. And so the lost, listen to this, the lost will go to hell. But let me tell you something else. This will not be their final destination. You say, Pastor, if you're lost, you go to hell, and that's it. That's it. That's not it. Hell is not your final destination. The final destination for the lost will be the lake of fire. Now, as bad as hell is, and it is, that rich man said, I'm tormented. I'm tormented. He said, just send, just send Lazarus with a drip. Just a drip on the tip of his finger. Just let him drip it on my tongue. I don't want a, I don't want a gallon. I don't want a bottle. Just send him with a drip and just let him let it drip on my tongue because I'm tormented. And yet our Bible says that will not be the final destination for the lost. The final destination will be the lake of fire. But I don't want you to take my word for that. I want you to see it yourself. Revelation chapter 20. Revelation chapter 20, verse 11. This is the last place I'll have you go. Revelation 20, verse 11. John said, And I saw a great white throne, and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. And the books were open. And another book was open, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. Verse 13. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it. And death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. And they were judged, every man according to their works. 
and death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. And so I'm here to tell you this morning, church, when you die, you're not going into the grave to sleep for the next 100, 200, 300 years. If you're saved, when you die, your soul's gonna exit your body and you're gonna be instantaneously with Jesus. But if you're lost, when you die, your soul's gonna exit your body and you're gonna be instantaneously with the lost. And one of these days, you'll finally be in the lake of fire. Well, how many are glad you're saved this morning? Man, oh man, thank God I'm saved. I love this little story. His name was Uncle Johnson. And he lived in the state of Michigan. And this was the ironic or, or you know, the interesting part about his life. Uncle Johnson lived to be 120 years old. 120. And they said about this man, they said that he, that he always had a cheerful outlook on life. One day they said he was working in his garden and he was, while he was working in the garden, he was singing. I mean, just singing praises to the Lord. And his pastor came by and he, he uh, heard Uncle Johnson in there just singing, singing, singing to the Lord. And, and he said to Uncle Johnson, Uncle Johnson, he said, you seem very happy today. And he said, oh, yes, I am. He said, I was just thinking. And the pastor said, well, Uncle Johnson, what were you thinking about he said, I was just thinking, if the crumbs of joy that fall from the master's table in this world are so good, what in the world's the great loaf going to be like one of these days in glory? Richard Baxter said, my knowledge of that life is small. The eye of faith is dim, but it's enough that Christ knows all, and I shall be with him. The little girl was taking a walk with her daddy. One night, it was a clear, clear lit night, and the stars were just shining. And they were walking hand in hand, and she was looking up, peering at those stars, and she said, Dad, Dad. She said, if the wrong side of heaven looks this pretty, what's the right side going to look like? Well, I'm glad I'm saved. I'm glad I know that I know that I know that I'm going to heaven when I die. You can know that too if you don't. Would you bow your heads with me all over the house this morning? Can I ask you, can I ask you something? What is your final destination? What is your final destination? We know several things. We know we're not gonna go to sleep. The Bible just uses that as a symbol of death. We're not gonna go to the grave for the next thousand years. We know this, we know our soul is gonna exit our body, but after that happens, what is your final destination? Is your final destination gonna be that new heaven? The new Jerusalem? Man, it talks about a street of gold, gates of solid pearl, walls of jasper, Foundations that are garnished with all manner of precious stones. There'll be no gravesides in that fair land. Hey, is that your final destination? Or is there a chance that your final destination would be the lake of fire? Oh, listen, friend, if that be the case, let's make sure we get that changed today. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Let me ask a question. 
I want you to be 100% honest between you and the Lord right now. How many are here right now and you'd say, Pastor, if I died right now, I mean, if a heart attack came or a stroke or something happened, and if I died right now, Pastor, I'm going to be honest. I'm going to be honest. I do not know for sure that I'm on my way to heaven when I die. Preacher, I don't know that heaven's my final destination. I do not know that. And I care enough to slip up my hand and let you pray for me. Who's like that today? With every head bowed and every eye closed, if that's you, you just slip your hand up right now. Just just raise it up and sort of wave it at me. Will you do that? Preacher, if, if I died, I'm not sure. I see that hand. Who else? Who else? Preacher, if I died, I'm not sure I would go to heaven. I'd see. I see a couple little hands there. Anybody else? Pastor, if I died today, I'm not sure that I would make it to heaven. Would you pray with me? Is there anybody else? Anybody else like that? You'd let me pray for you today? Anybody else? Well, I'm gonna pray for these that raise their hands. And if you didn't raise your hand in just a moment, I wanna encourage you to come. And there'll be somebody here to meet you with the Bible and tell you how you can know that you know that you know that you're going to heaven when you die. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. You say, Pastor, I have been saved. I know I've been saved. I can take you back to the time and the place when it happened. But preacher, I'm not where I need to be with Christ. I'm not. And the Lord knows. The Lord knows about it. And I really need to rededicate my life to the Lord. I've lost my joy. I've lost my excitement. I've lost my fire. I used to be so, you know, I used to be so passionate about the things of God and I've sort of lost all that. And preacher, I really need to rededicate my life to the Lord. And God knows, God knows about it. He knows. But I want you to pray for me. How many are, with heads bowed and eyes closed, how many are like that right now? You just very quietly slip up your hand and let me just say a prayer for you today. Thank you. I see those hands. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Why don't we stand all over the house this morning? Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Father, I sure hope somehow that you'll bring the increase from this message. Lord, help us to know that we know that we know that our final destination is that new heaven, a place where we're gonna forever be with thee. Lord, I pray that you'd work in hearts. I thank you for these that raised their hands and said they're not sure. I thank you for their honesty. Oh, God, I pray today that you'd help them to get it nailed down once and for all and help them to leave this place knowing that they know that they're going to heaven when they die. And then, Lord, those who maybe need to rededicate their life to Jesus Christ, Father, I'm so glad that you're still working in their life, my life. I pray today you'd help us to be the Christians that you want us to be. Father, whatever the need might, might be, I pray you'd help folks to come, do business with the Lord, and we pray that you'd be pleased through it all. We thank you and praise you for it in Jesus' name. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. I'm gonna ask our personal workers, if they don't mind, just slipping out and making their way to the front this morning. And if you're here today and you say, Pastor, I need to be saved, I need to be saved, would you do something right now? Would you step to one of these aisles?
just step in one of these aisles and come forward. And we have somebody that would like to take a Bible and show you how you can know that you know that you know that you're going to heaven when you die. Would you do that right now? Would you do it? Just step out and come. Pastor, I'm saved, but I need to rededicate my life to the Lord. Would you come? We'd love to pray with you today. Would you come? Pastor, I've been saved, but I've never followed the Lord in believer's baptism, and I need to make myself a candidate for baptism. Hey, if you'll come today, we'll be here to help you. Would you come while we wait, while we wait? We'll pause just for a moment. If you're watching live stream today, we're delighted to have you viewing the service. There's an, a number on the bottom of your screen right now, 704-327-5662. And if you just happen to come across our page today, started watching this service, hey, if we can pray with you, if you don't know that you know that you're on your way to heaven, would you reach for your phone and call us right now? We have some folks waiting right beside the phone. And they would love to take your call and pray with you right now over the phone. Would you do that? Would you call us while we wait? So, Father, we thank you for your blessings. And Holy Spirit, we thank you for what you're doing. God, I pray that you'll work in spite of us and work in spite of me. God, bring the increase. Lord, if there might be one here today that does not know they're on their way to heaven, I pray they'll not be able to get settled until they get it settled. Father, I pray they'll come to a saving knowledge of Jesus today. God, help us. Speak to hearts. Change lives. Help those that are in the altars this morning. And God, I don't know all the needs there, but I pray that you'd minister to them and, and help them and encourage them. Maybe today folks are just burdened about their loved one, their lost loved one. Lord, there's none of us here want our loved ones to go to hell. So, Father, help us to be soul winners. Father, help us to be busy in the work of evangelism. I pray that you would. Continue to bless down this time, please, and we sure thank you and praise you for it. In Jesus' name, our heads are bowed. Just for another moment, and we're going to sing. We're going to go. Anybody else need to make a move? Could be there's somebody right on the edge. Right on the edge. You need to come. You hear this morning, you say, Pastor, we feel it the will of God that we join with this local body. We feel God's leading us to Calvary. If that be the case, then you come on right now while we wait. We'll be glad to talk with you about that.